Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. Ooh, thank you. My name is Charlie Murdoch, and I'm here to share in the work of lay-led ministry. As a congregant, no different than you, I was just silly enough to say yes to Lori Bilby when she snuck up behind me in the pews and whispered in my ear. I'm also here as a member of a diverse group of amazing people on the South Church Ministerial Search Committee. This morning, you may hear ministerial search a few times, but you may wish to substitute those words for anything that may be going on in your own life. Maybe you were like me. Of course, the news hit you like a ton of bricks. Of course, it was a punch to the gut. Of course, there will be changes. Of course, this is so unfair, and why is this happening now. Of course, these changes will progress the church in some way, but what would I, what would we, what would South Church do without Chris and Lauren? But maybe, maybe, maybe if you've been a member at South Church for a much, much longer time, your reaction might have been, eh, what's next? This has been a tale of a good relationship, that honeymoon phase, excitement, new things, get to know each other, ups and downs, a breakup, some finger pointing, a little he said, she said, they said, contractual obligations, corporate poaching, you know, the general tale of intrigue stuff. But I had to reason with myself. Regardless of how things happen, they are faith-based professionals their parents, and they're looking to provide the best for their family. Most of all, they are people, and I don't fault them for where we are today. And I'm sure we wish them all well. As you know, the theme for March is wisdom. Wisdom is that funny place stuck in between hindsight and foresight. Wisdom is where good judgment exists. It's where you're able to reflect upon the past and look forward to the future. It's a lot like being the parent of a toddler that's newly minted, teetering its way towards a china cabinet. That parental preview goes through your mind. You kind of want to see what happens, but for safety's sake, let's cut them off with the pass. Wisdom also houses the knowledge and principles that develop within a society. South Church has a phenomenal knowledge base and principles that we utilize and practice. First, we lost our ministers. Then by choice, we moved on from an interim minister that did not fully embrace our covenant of rights relations. We've braced ourselves and fortified a lay-led Sunday program. We are currently looking for an interim minister to help guide us on. Our office staff is making positive moves to be better. And we have an established search committee. I'd say from a dating perspective, we as a congregation are ready to move on we're ready to figure out what's next. We have some interpersonal work to do, but we also know what we don't want. Like Joanne said, I love the metaphor of South Church as an oak tree. It is said that oak trees grow as large as they are able with the right conditions. Their roots effortlessly weave down into the soil. These roots hold the structure firmly upright even in the most challenging storms. 
At times the trunk may twist and the bark buckle as the leaves move to balance and counterbalance limbs that reach as far outward as they can. Yet oak trees are not immune to disease or damage. Sometimes branches split off, sometimes they fall off, but the tree as a whole can persevere. The canopy of an oak tree creates its own environment and provides food and shelter for hundreds of living things in a variety of ways. And of course, their leaves change color in the fall, but, making, but maybe desperately clinging on to those branches until spring, providing you the joy of raking twice. I am not an expert in historical theology, but the roots that firmly support South Church have been laid down for hundreds of years and are full of creative thinkers just like you. It's impossible to do our rich history justice in our time together today, but here's a sample of our tree. The word Unitarian developed to mean the oneness of God and a belief that Jesus was an entity sent by God on a divine mission. Universalists, on the other hand, believed all people will be saved through universal salvation. No person would be condemned by a God to eternal damnation in a fiery pit. For centuries, people who professed Unitarian or Universalist beliefs were harassed, run out of town, fled their country, were burned at the stake, or were murdered. In 1658, in the remote mountains of Transylvania, the first and only Unitarian king, John Sigismund Zapoya, declared the Edict of Torda, which emphasized that faith is a gift of God and prohibited the persecution of people for religious reasons. A small, tiny area of Europe, but globally significant. Moving on to the Americas, the origins of Universalists began with some of the most historic congregations in Puritan New England. Whereas Universalism developed in more rural New England areas, the Mid-Atlantic, and the Southern states. South Church, where we sit today, formed in 1713. We split from the congregation now known as North Church. We, began Unitarian, we became Unitarian in 1819, just as Universalism was gaining steam in the United States. By the 1900s, humanists with both traditions advocated that people could be religious without believing in God. Both groups challenged their members to reach out and embrace all people whom society often marginalized. In 1947, Portsmouth's Universalist Church burned to the ground and merged with South Church. 14 years later, in 1961, Unitarian Universalist denominations would merge nationally, forming the Unitarian Universalist Association. And as we move up from the roots to the trunk, our branches have reached outward by various people throughout history, from the government to celebrity, from farmers to famous, from Nobel Prize winners to postmen, and all other walks of life with fascinating interests and backgrounds. Unitarian Universalists continue to lead the forefront of activism in human rights, social justice, LGBTQ, the environment, healthcare, women's rights, and many other important and pressing vital causes. What will be your role in servant leadership to progress our greater community.
At the end of our branches, we're renewed annually with leaves. Children are added to our community, and as they grow, they unfold and develop into new people. These buds on the end of the branches have distinct differences based on environment, interests, exposure, and desires. No leaf is the same. As we move forward in our search and ask for what we really want for South Church, some questions that Madigan asked in the meditation, we need to ask all people involved in our congregation, regardless of age and no matter how silly the answer may be. Limiting the questions and surveys to adults, I believe, is a huge mistake. What would it look like if we asked a two- or three-year-olds what they look for in a person? It's amazing how honest they can be. When Madigan was three, she asked, what is that bump on the side of your ankle called? And I answered somewhat sheepishly, it's called the lateral malleolus. Daddy? No, Daddy, that is a camel. Camels have bumps. That is a bump, so that is a camel. I don't know how you refute that logic. So she went on, of course, you know, to explain all the camels we have, elbows, ankles, knees, wrists, and so on. Just because it has a name doesn't mean it can't be looked at in a new and creative way. What would it look like if we asked ages 4 through 11? McKinley, our youngest, who lit the chalice this morning with Aaron, he's by default sometimes gets the short end of the stick and gets dragged around and has to follow his brother and sister. He has been more than understanding at times. Just two weeks ago, McKinley tied his shoes for the first time by himself and has forever opened the horizon to new possibilities in footwear. Aaron and I knew he would eventually get it, and we really hadn't pushed it. He had been in karate for about three weeks, so learning how to tie his belt around his gi has been in the forefront of his mind. This has nothing to do with shoes, but it may have just been the push. We sat after karate on the floor in the aisle, blocking traffic, as he spent the time to focus on slowing down, doing the right steps to make the rabbit's ears, flip them under and through to make the bow tight. The look on his face was gold, a huge smile of accomplishment. And he went on to show five other, five other people that night what he had taught himself. He's tied his shoes every day since, and the best part is he taught himself in a different way than I learned. Sometimes we need an intermediate step to make a leap. How about the preteen or tween or the teen set? The answers may change, they may be more thoughtful, but are just as important as the silly ones. Max is 15 and a half, and his answers will no doubt be different now. When he was five, we were practicing shapes at the kitchen table. I drew a square and asked him what shape it was, and he said, a square. And I said, how many sides does a square have? And he looked at the paper a few seconds, and he said, six. Can you show me? He traced the four sides I had drawn, one, two, three, four, put his hand flat down on the paper, and he said five, picked the paper up, 
turned it over and said six. So what I saw in two dimensions, he saw in three. Sometimes a shift in perspective can answer the question from a different point of view. We need to remember that these people were on the cuff of becoming a thicker part of our collective canopy. The ones that will leave home and carry with them the values, commitment, and moral high ground that we as parents and congregants strive to put forth into the world so they can reflect on their faith in their larger community. So here's an ask or two. First, let's include all in our search conversation. Leave no one out. And second, let's flip the script on our ministerial search. We have an amazing opportunity to get to choose our direction rather than having to. That's a seemingly slight distinction, a semantic shift, but getting to and having to are two very, very different. One is a privilege and one is a task. One is an enthusiastic smile and one is a nonplussed teenage infused eye roll. Ugh. So when we change the task into a game, it takes the pressure off and we have the opportunity to drive the process while having fun. So I'm gonna end you with one of my favorite quotes about hindsight, wisdom, and foresight from the Unitarian Universalist minister, Ralph Waldo Emerson, called Finish Every Day. Finish every day and be done with it. You've done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities, no doubt, have crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. Begin it well and serenely with too high a spirit to be cumbered with your old nonsense. This day is all that is good and fair. It is too dear with its hopes and invitations to waste a moment on yesterdays. May it be so.